Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. So this episode and the one dropping next week, we'll be talking about a position called Christian Anarchy. I brought on my friend Caleb Culp. We've known each other for years. I've known Caleb since we were in middle school, and he told me, about his position on Christian anarchism and gave some support for it. So we went ahead and we recorded this first session and here in a couple days we are going to record uh, the second session as well where I give him a little bit of pushback on the position and I hope you all really like it. So let's go ahead and jump into that discussion. All right, so I'm here with my friend Caleb. We have known each other for probably like 10 years now he listens to the podcast he wanted to come on and talk about a subject that he feels very strongly about so we can discuss areas where we agree where we disagree all kinds of stuff like that uh i'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself caleb yeah hi uh my name's uh caleb culp uh like jeremy said we've known each other for about 10 years Uh, i've just been listening to the podcast i really like what you do honestly like I just believe that uh, Christians honestly like don't pay attention enough to, especially like you, you talk about money and also just like government intervention in our daily lives. Right. I mean, they go to church and stuff and that I don't think the pastor's job is necessarily to be up there on the pulpit every week and tell you about politics. I mean, obviously Christ is more important. So I think like podcasts like this are very helpful to the, you know, daily Christian, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just want to, like, disclaimer, I mean, like, I, I've done a lot of research, but uh, obviously, like, I'm not, like, a theologian or historian, so, like, I, I did my best, you know, and I, I'm going to present my points with uh, fa- as much facts as I possibly can, but obviously, like, if you see anything wrong, I mean, email Jeremy and tell him that he's a terrible host, don't blame me, um, <laughs> but no, 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 uh, no, so basically, I just want, I really want to talk about, like, uh, I think a very underlooked thing in the Christian community is, um, is just, like, uh, more freedom, I guess. Like, uh, we've gone through, if you look through Christianity, I mean, we had, like, I uh, went to the Catholic Church, and, right, they were basically the overruling, and uh, through Augustine and stuff like that, Constantine, Christianity became, like, the overruling religion, and the, became in bed with the state, basically, and then I, I think... Jeremy has said on podcasts, if not, that many, like, through that, we've lost a lot of good things in Christianity. But I think through the Reformation and stuff like that, we've uh, kind of dug our way out of that. But um, so I'm an anarchist, and uh, I think the best thing to do is, like, just to define that because it's such, like, a politicized term, I guess. Like, uh, when people think of anarchy, they often think of, like, Antifa. Yeah, they think of, like, BLM and the summer of 2020 a lot of times yeah yeah exactly exactly they they think of like destruction and like tearing down the system like by burning uh, government buildings and so on and so forth and that that's not even remotely close to what i think anarchy is or the political belief of anarchism yeah i think what you're wanting to get at is like 
if you and I want to pay someone $10 to drink a spoonful of ghost pepper hot sauce, then we can do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The free market. That's that's. <laughs> He's laughing yeah. right now because when we were in college, we did just that. A fight almost broke out between two guys. It was crazy. Then the dean of our men at our college found out and he just thought it was funny and that he probably would have done it too if people were dumb enough to drink it. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. I like this, this more, more individual choice without like, you know, the government, the state, big brother getting involved and uh, telling you what to do. I mean, for example, like I think, I think the ultimate example of anarchism, like it, that we can see today um, is like the Amish people. It's very localized. They live in their own communities. Uh, it's all ruled by themselves all through voluntary, you know, um, just all through voluntary exchange. Like you talked about with John Locke and, uh, stuff like that. Like every, everything I just believe it should be volunteer based. Like I don't believe in a system where you're forced to do things, especially with your money and stuff. And, um, that's just, that's just my overall belief. And so, uh, just a little backstory on me. I mean, I grew up in a very conservative Christian household, you know, for my whole entire life. And they're big, like, uh, George Bush supporters, uh, basically neocons, you know. And uh, so that, that's kind of what I grew up in. But then um, I kind of started doing my own research around, like, 16 years old, I believe, maybe a little bit younger than that. And I just started seeing all the bad that was happening because of George Bush. Like, I believe he's a war criminal. Uh, I also believe, like, Barack Obama's a war criminal. Donald Trump's a war criminal. Joe Biden's a war criminal. I mean, like... I think all these things are really bad, and what they do is bad. Yeah, and Bush was the one that passed the Patriot Act, not a Democrat. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and it had, and I'll I'll hit on later too. But that had overwhelming support by obviously conservatives, and even like Christians for a lot of people. And now, what are we? We're like twenty, twenty-one years later, and still virtually none of it has been repealed. I mean, like uh, if you if you just look at the most totalitarian thing is like go on a flight. Like, you still have to wear a mask. It's mandated by federal law. Like, where else in the country is it like that? I, I mean, I don't know. But, um, yeah, these are definitely things that made me kind of, you know, red-pilled me, I guess, is if that's the right term. Uh, but then, like, in 2016, I was a big supporter of Trump. You know, I just like the fact that he, like, countered wokeism, I guess, in 2015 and stuff like that. And he's, he seemed different. You know, he didn't seem like uh, George Bush 2.0, a John Kasich, you know? So I, I, I kind of like Trump. And even though he had no policy whatsoever, I mean, he didn't release anything until like right before the election, which is in itself pretty funny. But uh, he just seemed different. And I was so sick and tired of just voting in another neocon conservative Republican that's not going to make any change. So I, I thought Trump was honestly going to be this change. And through that, honestly, I, I, I had, I think my biggest struggle, my biggest change was I was all in for it. And through that, they, um, you know, all of his supporters were then deemed deplorables. Everyone who supported Trump was seen as an alt-right figure. And obviously I'm very pro-free speech, but I think as I've matured, right, I don't think... Um, saying the n-word or calling like wishing death on people i don't think that's a good thing for morality and as a country like i'm gonna support you being able to say it but i would definitely like morally be against it and that's kind of like this rabbit hole i went down and finally i just realized like yeah like you can still be for these things but you can still have a morality with it and still be against them but i still want the state to stop that like i think that's up to us as individuals to stop people from 
doing bad things. Yeah. The way I like to put it with that is like, if there's a guy that owns a business near me and he's this white supremacist who refuses to serve black people, I think he has a business owner has the right to do that. And myself and the people that live around me have the right to say, you're a horrible person and we're not going to shop there until you go bankrupt and have to close your doors. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that's why I'm saying like the free market will dictate that. Like, uh, like the cake baker in Oregon where who refused to bake cake for a gay wedding. Oh yeah, on Jack, I think Arizona. Yes. I don't remember for sure. Is it Arizona? I could I could be wrong on that, but yeah, that that big case. I it was so many years ago now. I think it was like 2014 is when it all began. But like, I definitely support his freedom to do that. Right, that's his, that's his choice. And as a Christian, yes, he, he stayed as a Christian. He didn't feel that that was right for him to do. And I'm 100 percent backing him up. But like. If he loses business for that, I mean, that's just the consequences he has to pay. But I, I still think, like, even in a total free market, laissez-faire economy, like, morality um, is still applicable and still needs to be there, right? And I, I think that as Christians, that's important. We still can support a laissez-faire government and uh, economic system, but uh, we just have to make sure our morals are in line and then it'll regulate the market itself, in my opinion. Well, then after basically uh, 2016, basically, I want to say this radicalized me, right? I, I realized that we had a Republican supermajority in the Senate, a uh, majority in the House, and obviously Donald Trump is Republican in office. So I was like, okay, you know, uh, abortion's about to be banned, right? Uh, all these good things are going to happen. And uh, I just waited, basically, because nothing happened. And then I realized, I was like, we just sat through this whole big movement of the Tea Party where, like, we're going to reduce government. We're going to make things better. And then at the end of the day, nothing happened. Uh, we, we elect these people, and they say things we like to hear, but in the end of the day, they actually don't do anything. So it just made me – this made me, basically pushed me further to libertarianism because I was like, you know, if they, if they all suck and they say things to say things – I don't. I don't want anyone like that. I'd rather just have someone take away as much of government as possible and let people live their lives. And uh, and also with the Trump whole era, I mean, I think sadly it brought apart, brought upon this worship of the state. And uh, if you as you see, Jeremy, I'm I'm 100 sure because I've seen things that you've posted on Facebook and stuff. Uh, basically, uh, Donald Trump's a god in the conservative movement and in many churches. Um, which I think is dis- disgusting. Um, I, 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 like I said, I, I liked him in 2016. I voted for him, but uh, it just, you know, it's, it, it just seemed he became such a figurehead for, for even Christianity, which was really weird for me. It was really this, like, I don't know. I, I, I've never, obviously, I haven't lived that long, but I've never seen something like that where people were basically equating him. As, like, he was basically, in my opinion, he was like the American Pope. Like, what he said was Bible for a lot of Christians. And a lot of Christians still feel that same way today. I just definitely warn against that because, I mean, for one, the dude does not have a good track record with morality. I mean, that's been, been very clear. And then, again, it's just I don't think any politician is worth, you know, idolizing. I, I just really don't. I think that's a big thing that Christians have to look at. I mean, you can like the guy, but, like, don't make him your moral compass. Especially not him, I mean. <laughs> yeah, at least if you're going to do something like that, like, don't. But if you are, at least do someone that we're pretty confident is actually a believer. Like, for all his 
claims to the contrary, I don't think Trump is actually saved because I don't see fruit in keeping with repentance. I, I agree. I think Pence is probably actually a believer, which just even more frustrates me that Pence seemed to be doing little to nothing to fight. But I don't think Trump is. I, I would agree with that. Pence Pence is a pretty outspoken Christian. Mm-hmm. And you, like as you said, you can look at his life and... Um, he was obviously mocked him the line for like not meeting with like women alone, which was really funny because then the whole Me Too movement started, and then everyone just kind of looked at him and were like, "Oh, maybe he was a lot smarter than we thought he was." But um, yeah, I, I agree. Like he, I, I, I like Pence as a person better, but he was kind of fell in line with the party lines, and sadly did did not do too much. I want to say like did it push too much policy or redact policy too well and we see that like across the board honestly in my opinion like i i think with this new election coming up i think DeSantis is like the clear front runner for the conservative movement and a lot of people back him and i like a lot of his policies but um just at the end of the day i i don't honestly think he's gonna do much and i understand also like the president doesn't have he's not an authoritarian dictator who has this power and free will to just abolish anything he wants but um I mean, he is the guy everyone's looking to, and what he says does matter. And I, I just, I don't, I haven't seen anyone or really any president since Kelvin Coolidge really take a stand on things. I mean, you have like JFK, obviously, which I, I like because he um, basically wanted to end all the CIA, FBI, and I mean, they might have killed him. I'm not going to get into the conspiracies because of that. But, but it was totally the bomb but, that ticked off. Yeah, I mean, he ticked off a lot of people, and that's just because he, I mean, I don't, once again, I don't think he was, like, uh, this great freedom fighter, but I think he had some good policies, or wanted to enact some good policies before he was killed. Um, but honestly, like, I, I think for me, the, my progression, so then after that, I became, about 2017, I became pretty full-blown libertarian at that point, and um, I pretty much voted libertarian down the line in 2020 and 2018, because I was just like, this is a mess and the less they have control over me, the better. But then uh, what really changed for me was COVID. Uh, once all the restrictions started happening and especially in Michigan, um, Jeremy, I don't believe you were there for that. You were in Indiana yeah, at that point. I know. Um, so at, at first it seemed like Whitmer was great. Cause she was like one of the only governors who was saying church is yeah. essential. And then she just turned on a dime and went from being one of the best to one of the worst overnight. Oh, e- easily. I mean, like, she she still, like, didn't take as much heat because he had, like, guys like Gavin Newsom and, and uh, uh, people like, I know Bill de Blasio is not the governor, but obviously he's over in New York City, which has pretty much the same people, amount of people as Michigan does. But yeah, like, people like that, which were taking even further approaches than she was. But I remember specifically for my job. Uh, I, I still was working during that time. Thank God. Uh, I still was make, collecting income and I had to go to stores and purchase things. And certain sections of the stores were roped off and like you just couldn't get stuff. And it didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, it, it, also she shut down all these businesses, right? And the only businesses that could stay open were Walmart, Target. Like, and to me, you know, the, the left sat there in all these years and they still like are the defender of the working class. Right. And that's what they claim to be. I, but, and they hate Amazon, they hate Apple, but yet like the big name stores, Walmart and stuff like that, those were the only places open that you could shop at. So 
we basically just funneled billions of dollars into those, probably trillion dollars into those businesses and made them even bigger and stronger while destroying the working class. So the left is not good either. I mean, I just want to be very clear about that. But but during that time, I realized like um, Whitmer's approval rating, I still think to this day is above 50%, which is absolutely insane to me to even think about. Because I was like, who who is actually dumb enough to believe her and her lies and has seen the lives that she's destroyed and still have a favorable uh, perception on her? And during that time, it's just, I, I just, I realized people will give up liberty for safety and security. And I, I just always, as a libertarian, I believed at heart, most people believed in liberty and want liberty, wanted to live their own lives and do what they say. And people say that. I, I do believe that is innate in us, but I think safety and security at this point, at least in history, if not all of history, trumps liberty. Yeah. It's like, um, I can't remember who it originally comes from, but that quote, uh, those that are willing to trade freedom for safety will get neither. Yes. Yes. Uh, the ben- Benjamin Franklin. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he said that I, I do. I like that quote a lot, honestly, because I think it's true. It's just, um, and it's a good point you bring up is that, uh, if you look at the, uh, we overthrew England, you know, during the revolution in America, it wasn't done. Like the amount of people that participated and wanted to overthrow the government were actually in the small minority. It wasn't this overwhelming thing of people wanting to band together and fight England. It was actually a very small amount of people wanted to. But, you know, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? You know, it's just, that's just what happens. And that's, that's why also this led me farther down to this rat hole of anarchism. Yeah. Um, what you're saying there, it kind of reminds me of something that Jason Stapleton says, and he's a libertarian and he as a libertarian says uh, mm-hmm. that um, he realized that most people don't want freedom. They're just walking around with their umbilical cord hanging out, wanting to plug it in somewhere. Uh, yeah, hundred hundred percent. I I think, and I, I just also want to state, like, I don't believe, you know, we're two hundred years into this experiment of America. I don't think tomorrow, like, if I was become the dictator and like, I get this shut down everything I want to. Like, I'm not that naive. I mean, it's, it's been a process to get to this authoritarian state. And I think um, it's going to take a lot of years to get to the point where I, I would wish we would be at. And uh, that's just, that's just what I see. You know, it's, it's, I will vote. Well, I don't vote anymore, but we'll get into that. <laughs> but I, if you still vote, I would say, Always choose the most libertarian-minded person, um, the person that's going to give you as many freedoms as possible. And you might not like the guy as much, but if he promises you bodily autonomy and your freedom to worship and stuff like that and freedom of speech, I mean, that guy is going to be a lot better for you in the long run than anyone else. Um, as we said, like Mike Pence, like, great guy but I don't think would be a great president in my choice, in my opinion. Yeah. I think if DeSantis did win in 24, it could help our country. I don't think it would save it, but it could maybe buy us more time to get a better plan into effect. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think he's a strong front runner, uh, which also makes me nervous because usually the strong front runner uh, fizzles out so historically. I mean, Jeb Bush was the guy in 2016. Look what happened to him. Um, Donald Trump is going to run again, most likely. I mean, I would bet all my money he's going to. And at this point, to be completely honest with you, 
you know, I'm just in it for the memes. So if, if Donald Trump wants to run against Hillary Clinton again, you know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's primetime TV. I, there's, there's no Super Bowl that's more entertaining than those debates. I thought that the Trump-Biden debates were going to be like the most hilarious thing ever. And then they were such a letdown. I, yeah, I agree. I, I was so excited. Like, I was so excited for it. Like, I, I recorded them. I sat down like a bowl of popcorn. And yeah, they were just very disappointed. I was very disappointed. I mean, they, they obviously had to shoot Joe Biden up with some sort of like adrenaline or something for him to get on stage and be able to speak somewhat coherent sentences. <laughs> but yeah, I honestly, yes, I was extremely disappointed in those. I was waiting, you know, for all the old man jokes and they just, they really didn't come. I was disappointed. But um, basically just, uh, I just wanted to like, define an- anarchy in my opinion is, is anarchy is just like the absence of government right that's the webster dictionary definition of it and then like wikipedia which we know uh miss best would kill us for using as a source but uh, it defines it as a society being freely constituted without authorities or a governing body it may also refer to a society a group of people that entirely rejects a set hierarchy and uh to, to me honestly anarchy is more defined as just freedom it's just personal responsibility and uh, understanding that you know what's best for your life. Um, and at the end of the day, if you want to sit in your house and you want to smoke crack all day or shoot a heroin, like I'm against that morally and I don't wish that on anyone. But then again, like I don't believe it's the government's job to come and take you and put you in prison for the rest of your life on the taxpayer dime. And then for you to come out and do the same thing over and over again. I mean, it's basically welfare at the end of the day and a cruel welfare system at that. But it's just, like I was saying before, it's just all very voluntarily and cooperative form of life. And that's why I see anarchy as, and I, I think it's also what we see in the early church. I just want to say when, you know, it talks about that they, the believers got together and they sold land and shared it with each other. And a lot of people like, also use that as a reference for socialism or communism. And, you know, I, I think you're missing the, the biggest point is that it's all voluntary. Like if people want to get together and share resources, I mean, good on them. I think society needs that. Like people do need to get together, share resources and share stuff and use each other's work to make society better. Like that's just how society progresses. But I just don't believe that we need, big brother to come in and force you to pay to them or force people to work for you or stuff like that. All this stuff will happen naturally. I mean, if you need laborers, you're going to find laborers and you're going to pay them at the best rate you can so that you keep them. If they're a good worker, if they're a bad worker, you're not going to pay them. You're going to fire them without any consequences. That's basically just what I believe in. And then, and then honestly, like proud, 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 I'm going to say in 1850, he's quite a saying like, all men are born free and equal. Society is therefore self-governing, i.e. ungovernable. And he who lays his hand on me to govern me is a use, user and a tyrant, my declared enemy. And he's honestly like a, kind of like a father of modern day anarchy. What do you say? Um, anarchy. Uh, Proudhon. P-R-O-U-D-H-O-N. Okay. Proudhon. Yeah. He, um, now, but he honestly falls under, so just for a little background on anarchy, most of modern day anarchy, it was founded actually under uh, anarcho communism. And I know that's such a buzzword in today's like, and trust me, if anyone hates communism more than me, congratulations, it's almost impossible. 
but um, no, but he, his sense was that like, um, kind of like that people need to get together, decide what's best for their group of people, and they can make those choices by themselves. It's all voluntary based. And I mean, if you want to call that co- communism, like voluntarily giving up your resources and stuff, I, I mean, I think it's a pretty crappy definition of communism. But would he still be with Adam Smith, like the invisible hand, like by working in your own interest, best interest, you're actually working in the interest of those around you? Uh, yes. Um, but he, uh, the difference, I think, honestly, comes down to like greed. So you have like these people like uh, Ayn Rand and stuff like that. And um, that say like greed is inevitable, which I kind of agree with. Uh, so we need to lean into it. And even like the founding fathers saw this and they, um, that's why they need to check the balances on our government. They saw that like at the end of the day, man is going to look out what's best for him. So if everyone's doing that, then like they'll compete against each other and basically be checks and balances for each other. And like I said, he, he, he does believe in like the invisible hand and stuff like that, I guess I'm uh, in a sense uh, he does. He's, he's more for the worker. He just says like, um, let me do what I want to do and let my group of people do what they want to do. And I don't think anyone should have a say in that besides me and the people involved in this exchange. So in a very clear sense, I, I think so. But obviously, like I said, he, he, Definitely, I don't agree with everything he says either, but he definitely falls under a more like a anarcho, anarcho-communist type of uh, belief system in anarchy. But like, I'm not. The thing is, is like I'm. Not, I don't think anarch, anarcho-communism works because I just said like greed. Like if you have a group of people, it may work together fine. But like, what if one guy has a really great idea and he wants to market it and stuff like that? Like is he then supposed to share his resources with everyone? And in theory, like, yeah, he needed them to help build this gadget, let's say this gizmo of sorts to, um, to make it possible. But should he be forced then to give up all the profit and divide it equally? I don't believe so, but I do believe he should pay them for what they're worth. But that's where I think we disagree on. He more believes, you know, at the end of the day, like the laborer is worth just as much, as the guy who created the invention. So it should be shared, you know, across the board equally. And that's obviously where we disagree. Yeah. I'd but. be with you. And that disagreement with him, like the guy that came up with the invention, he's the one that had the idea that took all these risks. Maybe he had to take a second mortgage on his house just to get the money to get it going or something like that. He deserves that payout. And if he makes a contract with a guy that I'll pay you $10 an hour to help me make whatever gadget I want to sell, then that guy agreed to make $10 an hour for however many hours a week he works. It's not the fault of the owner of the company that he doesn't pay the guy more than he agreed to pay him. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, yes, a hundred percent. Like I don't think everyone should make the same as Jeff Bezos. Like it's, I think that's a, a silly thing to think about. He, like you said, he took all the risk. He had the idea. He does need workers obviously. But the thing is everyone's agreed to work for him at, a given rate now you can d- debate if that's good enough or not all day but at the end of the day those people still took that job they still signed the contract that's what they're going to be paid so i i'm i'm 100 for the worker like i'm not even honestly this might be surprising i'm not even against public um pu- private sector unions i'm very against public sector unions but if your group of workers want to get together 
and say we want a collective bargain against you, like more power to you. I, but I also I don't believe that everyone who wants to work for the auto industry has to be part of UAW. Like I think that all you're doing is just creating another hierarchy that's just as evil and just as corrupt as what you say you're fighting against. Yeah, I think a lot of us from the Detroit area just end up being really against the union by the time we graduate <laughs> high school. Well, I still believe like the UAW, um, I think they sway most elections, especially like on the eastern side of Michigan, you know, and I don't think that's a good thing. Like, I think they have too much power. Like if we really look at it, like I think they're the most powerful people in Michigan to tell you the truth. I mean, because what they say goes, I mean, that's, that's who gets elected. And so therefore we, all we've done is just created another monster. You know, we've just created another dictator. Yeah. So I, I, I don't like unions, but I, I have no problem against the private sector union. If a bunch of people want to get together and solve things and make money together and collective bargain, like that's fine with me. I mean, I don't think I'd be for it because then you're relying on everyone else's work ethic. And if I'm a harder worker than you, I think I should be paid more, but Hey, you know what? If you all want to get together and do that, that's, that's up to you. That's your God given right, I guess, at the end of the day. But I, the main reason I say, I know this is like a Christian podcast. So obviously like the Bible talks about, it doesn't talk very explicitly about government all that much because like I stated earlier, um, I think government and all these things are so secondary, obviously, to Christ and his mission. Obviously, it plays a huge role in our lives, and I, that's why I think it's important to discuss it. But I also just believe, like, obviously, the Bible's there to teach about Jesus Christ dying for our sins and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily explicitly, like, this political guy that, we're going to read through and then we know exactly what to do. I mean, because let's be real, a theocracy ruled by God is honestly the best form of government. I mean, no one's going to deny that, <laughs> but we can see in like things such as in judges and stuff, there was no King in Israel. And uh, it clearly says the people did what they saw fit. And, uh, so it's like anarchy was kind of a thing in scripture, you know, there for a little while, at least, uh, and then obviously like in Acts 419 and 529, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 6, you know, it talks about that. We must obey God as a ruler rather than men. And uh, that, that's why I believe. I, I think our ultimate ruler is God, and that's who we got to look for for these things, right? So at the end of the day, as a Christian, you have to look to Scripture and to what God says, and that's what we have to follow and do more than what Donald Trump says or what Joe Biden says or what anyone says. But, um, you know, they also talk about it and like, you can look at the Israelite people like in First Samuel 8, you know, they, they plead for king and God finally lets them have their own desires. And we see what a downfall that is. I mean, they're constantly put into slavery and destroyed and slaughtered for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so you can honestly see like, was that really God's ultimate like will for their lives? Like. Was that his will for the Israeli people? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Because he obviously warns against it. He he warns against making people the rulers. But then he also does talk about that he puts people in authority that he wants to be put in authority. And uh, I, I think like, you know, God lets things happen for a reason. And honestly, it's not for the best. But I mean, yeah, um, that old Calvin quote that 
I see get shared around a lot every presidential election. When God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with that. I mean, uh, like, like you said, you can just read through the Old Testament. I mean, most of the Old Testament is God telling prophets that basically Israel is going to be destroyed because they don't worship him and they've, they've lost sight of him. And, and I just think it's like, how do you look at that and how do you see that and then say, oh, yeah, man is a, the best ruler. Like we need someone in charge of us. We need a man who is flawed and sinful and depraved to be in charge of us and make all these decisions and even moral decisions for us. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily want people speaking for my morality. Like, I think that's a very individual thing that I would like to discuss. I don't want someone saying a blanket statement and putting me in a class of people because I voted a certain way. I, I, I just, I don't like that. I, I also think like scripture then has like the Sermon on the Mount, which is basically Jesus's guide for how a Christian should live. And um, if you can't read through that and then decide what morality is and what's good, what's good to do and what's not good to do, then I mean, maybe reread it a hundred times. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a good enough rule of law. I mean, that's, in my opinion, that that lays out exactly what our lives should look like and what we should do. And I, I, I don't think we need all this extra. You know, it, it, the Sermon on the Mount is two chapters of the Bible. It's it's pretty cut and dry, honestly, at the end of the day. Three. It's three chapters. Three. So my bad. Yeah, five, six, seven. You're right. Number. You're right. <laughs> Thank you. See, this is what I'm saying. I need people to call me out, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and then also I, I think it's really interesting that something that I, I've come upon and notice is like, uh, you know, when, uh, she just goes to fast and goes to the desert, you know, and he's tempted by Satan. And the, you know, his final thing, he brings Jesus, Jesus way up and he shows him like the world and he says basically like this could all be yours, you know, if you just submit to me, you know, that I can give you everything, which implies that the world is obviously Satan's to rule and that's his dominion right so for us to like put all this trust and stuff in this land that's ruled by satan that he has control over i mean obviously god has control over everything but satan was sent here and he has dominion over the earth until jesus comes back so i mean i just i don't i don't see it as a good thing and as a christian i, I just don't see how we can sit here and want to defend the state and so much when it's really you know we're all sinners and we're all bad you know and honestly scenes over it all at the end of the day you know on this earth and then you know you can even look at revelations and like i i believe i mean obviously like uh revelations you know there's a lot of different interpretations and stuff like that but i i believe that much of the end times will be a result of government control a top-down hierarchy where um, things are put into place Absolutely uh, for the beast and everything. So and the Antichrist ultimately and Satan. And once again, I I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to feel like my vote goes towards the Antichrist. <laughs> I'm not saying I, I'm not saying we live right now. You know, voting for Joe Biden, voting for the Antichrist. But I, I'm just saying I I don't feel like that's my territory to be in. And then you know Romans twelve two, Paul states like, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And uh, I think, I think that kind of like amplifies, you know, the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus says, you know, it's 
we're called to be different. We're, we're not called to submit to this world and what it has to offer. We're, we're meant to be different. And God gives us, you know, we have his scriptures and his discernment that I think that's enough. I don't think we need someone over me telling me what's right and wrong, you know, when the scripture is right there. You know, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like a pastor or anything like that. I'm saying like a state elected official, I don't think should decide my, my morality. That's just at the end of the day. That's why I believe scripture clearly states. But, um, and then, you know, if you even go past scripture, like I say before, like the early church, they were pretty like anarchists, you know, they, they, they gave to each other. They, they spent, sold land so they could support each other and that for the church to thrive. And I'm all for that. You know, if you want to take all your money and donate it, like, or give it to others, more power on you. I think God will bless you. But I, I, I think that's also all voluntary. I don't, I don't believe our money should be redistributed. Like, if you feel the need to give, give. But I, I don't like this force that if you don't give, you're going to prison. But, and then, then like I said, like we, we hit on earlier, like the Reformation obviously changed things up and gave a lot more individual, because obviously the church, early church started off this great thing. But then, you know, it grew in numbers so quickly, so then they had to have leaders over them, you know, to make sure the gospel stayed consistent. And then out of that, we get the Catholic Church. And then out of that, we get basically the Dark Ages. And I, th I think the worst point in history for Christianity, I think as a whole, I think, you know, because it was then seen as a political move, and they went away from the scriptures and God's teaching, and obviously with the Reformation, which brings it all back around more to the individual and our walk with God and not having to rely on a Pope or a Cardinal or a priest to absolve us of sins, but rather we can go directly to God. And, you know, once again, proud, proud, I don't even know if I'm saying that or proud. I, I'm, I'm probably butchering this, but he says, uh, do we want parasites to labor or priests to speak to God? Neither do we want representatives to govern us. You know, and that, that, that quote has always spoke to me because, you know, as, as a, evangelical Christian as a Protestant that, that speaks to me I, I don't want a priest talking to God for me right if I have the ability to speak to God why why would I want someone else to do like do that for me um, but then again you know like I said people like security and safety they like they like not having that responsibility they offering up things to other people to do for them because it makes their life easier they don't have to think about it and I think at the end of the day, that's what it ultimately comes down to. I think that's what we've seen in this country. I think that's what we've seen in humanity is people just don't want to take on individual responsibility and would much rather give it up to other people and let them deal with it. Let them deal with the problems. But at the end of the day, I think it only hurts you. But I, I, I don't know. I, I know you're pretty libertarian, I would assume. I think theonomy is pretty libertarian on economics. And I think politics is where theonomy and libertarianism really start going separate ways okay because because you, you're more thinking of like um for example like a good libertarian debate is right if we believe in bodily autonomy then we're for abortion right like stuff like that is what you're more saying like social issues um i would say that the god's word should like specifically old testament not like trying to make us israel there's a difference i like we're, we look at the Old Testament law and we look at it and say what aspects of these were just for Israel and is 
no more to be followed anymore, like the sacrificial system, because that was perfected in Christ being our sacrificial lamb, or what things are specifically for Israel, but they're based on a core truth that we should apply everywhere. Like, I'm not going to go put a fence around my roof because we don't hang out on roofs. But Israel, where they are in the Middle East, people would hang out on their roofs because 3,000 years ago, they didn't have AC in the summer when it was warm. And so maybe I would apply that. that If I had an in-ground pool in my backyard, I would have a fence around it so people didn't fall in and drown or die. It was like the preservation of life. That fence was to keep people from falling off the roof. So if I need a fence to preserve life on my property, then I'll do something like that. So that's where like I would say abortion is wrong because abortion violates God's command against murder, where a libertarian would, depending on what side of libertarianism you're on, they might say abortion is okay because it's the woman's choice. Or they might say they might recognize the baby as a human and say abortion is wrong because it's murder. Oh, I mean, so like, for example, the fence thing, you would be for, let's say, the state of Indiana, let's say they could, they got together and they said every pool has to have a, a fence around it. You'd be for that? No, I um, I think we don't see that with Old Testament Israel. We see God giving this command that they have to have a fence. But then if someone doesn't, they aren't charged with any crime unless something happens. So if I didn't build, I don't have a pool. But if I did, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I did and I didn't build a fence around it, if this was like the actual case in America with these laws, if I didn't build a fence around it, nothing would ever happen to me unless like my neighbor's kid fell into the pool and drowned because I didn't have a fence around it. Then I should be charged with manslaughter. So like I'm not actually charged with a crime unless someone is actually injured. Um, but if yes, you want to break yeah. this up into two episodes, you want to finish up anything you had to say explaining your point and then we can make a break and then do a second episode for next week about discussing where we agree and disagree. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I, I just, uh, basically I just hit a couple points real quick. I, I just think, um, obviously like this podcast talks about the free market. I think it makes things cheaper. And obviously as even a more libertarian minded person, you agree with that. Like at the end of the day we discussed is that what the people choose, things will be cheaper. Things will be better. There'll be more progression. I think also the big one of the biggest things for me is the state has monopoly on violence and Max Stirner writes in like eighteen forty four like supreme might then might against whom against the individual and his self will the state practices violence the individual and his self will the state's behavior is violence and it calls its its violence law and that of the individual crime I mean we can see that through the death penalty police brutality abortion Waco. Um, and then uh, let me see, I, I, we can get into this, a couple of these other things, but I, I just, I don't think, and you might agree with me on this one, honestly, because that's why the only reason I'm bringing it up, but um, I, I believe the culture war will just not be won through politics. I, I don't think we can legislate morality through voting, and I just, I, I don't see it being won by the person we elect. But uh, I think the other stuff maybe we'll disagree on, so yeah, I think this, we can end it here. If you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. We can go ahead and end it here. I'll edit everything together and release this. Perfect. I know it's a little longer than week, usual we'll ones. have the rest of the discussion. So if you're listening to this, and then right when it drops, you have to wait another week for the rest of the discussion where we get more into where we disagree. Perfect. All right, man. All right. So that was the first of these two episodes with Caleb on Christian Anarchy. So I hope you all really liked it, that you learned something. And stay tuned for next week when Caleb and I 
drop a second episode where this time instead of him more just explaining his position that I'm giving him some pushback also talking about some areas where we agree as well areas where we disagree and trying to more just get into the meat of Christian anarchy and theonomy so hope you all stay tuned to listen to that next week and that was this week's episode of Theonomony. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord was perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. More than Say